0: what's going on everybody i hope everybody is well on this wednesday but hopefully i'm pretty sure when you're listening this is a thursday but i try to record these on wednesdays so i started watching an old anime that i watched as a child called it was not it's a fighter g gundam or fighter gundam g i don't know it's pretty cool i watched it all in english so now i'm watching it all in japanese It's, it's different but it's awesome but remember guys, follow me punching the mouth official on Instagram, official underscore P-I-T M on Twitter. Deuces later. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the punch of the mouth Podcast, episode number 89, I believe. Next week we hit 90. Jesus, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. But anyway, this is the opinion episode. Make sure you check out the one before this so everything makes sense. Well, you don't really need to listen to the other one, but it'd be nice if you did. Give me a like, a follow on Instagram, Twitter, punch of the mouth Official on Instagram so underscore PITM on Twitter but anyway let's get into it so I said last week that I wanted to use this episode to um, talk about Jens Palmer's induction into the hall of fame it's pretty cool right like they surprised him because I guess he when the UFC has fights they um they have him do like a watch along like you can go on his stream and instead of hearing the comments like a fight companion for those that understand what I'm talking about so that's pretty cool he does that for the UFC it was cool he was considered and it's pretty cool man because like I said before without Jens there would be no lightweight division without Jens well I can't say without Jens there would be no Nate Diaz because that's not true but he was the ultimate fighter coach on Nate's season like I've said before which in my opinion not just because it's Nate that was on there like competitive wise that competitively that was the best season the UFC ever had because they had multiple title challenges from that season there's Nate, there's Graham Maynard, was there's Joe Lozon, Cole Miller, um, and then the guy that passed away, Corey, his name was Corey, I want to say Corey Henderson, but I don't think that was his name, what was his name, he passed away, like, he was one of the first fighters I ever saw get, like, that major leg fracture, like, similar to what Chris Weidman got, similar to what Anderson Silva got, he was, like, one of the first fighters I ever seen that happen to, it was nuts, man, it was nuts. What's going on here? Why is this? Oh, Corey Hill was his name. They had Manny Gambirian. You guys remember Andy Wang? They had Gabe Rudiger, Rob Emerson. Rob Emerson actually corners what's his name? Jared Cannonier, Gray Maynard, Matt Wyman. <laughs> right here, Th- this is my zone. Penn calls Gabe Rudiger out in front of the entire team, saying he does not think Rudiger is taking training seriously as he should. Jeremy Horn is brought in as Team Palmer's special guest coach. Now, that's crazy, right? Because the first super group, like, ATT you see now, um, Henry Hoof at Sanford, I don't know if it's still called Sanford MMA. Who's another one? Uh, Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand, City Kickboxing, aka, like, the first super group, and I know I've said this before, was the military fighting system down in Iowa. They had guys like Tim Sylvia, Jeremy Horn, Jens Pulver, Matt Hughes, who else did they have? They had somebody else that was really good. Pat Militage himself, they had Robbie Lawler for the longest. Now, Robbie Lawler trains with at ATT because I believe Pat Militage no longer trains anybody. So, we shall see, man. That was crazy. Fucking Robbie Lawler fighting Nick Diaz when he was only like 22. That was nuts. So, okay, where was I? Rudiger, Rudiger. <laughs> Jeremy Horn is brought in as a, a guest coach. Horn is especially impressed with Corey Hill, who admitted he did not train regularly at a gym. Rudiger undergoes a colonic in effort to make weight. His teammates, however, were unimpressed, calling it an easy way out of his problem and accusing him of caring more about the procedure than training. Emerson and Noah Thomas of Team Pan run around the house in thongs, upsetting Nate, D- upsetting Diaz. Diaz decides that he wants to fight Emerson at the fight announcement. Fulver picks Diaz and then selects Emerson. Nate Diaz defeats Rob Emerson by submission rear naked choke at 4:45 of round two. The first round was mainly an aggressive striking game by both sides. The second round was characterized by Diaz' aggression and successful ground game. White tells both fighters that was one of the best fights. That the fight was one of the best in the history of the series. I mean, that was one of the best seasons. And then after that, like, so I would say season one through five was like the apex of the ultimate fighter, because then after that, it became whatever. And then when they brought the girls in, that was cool too, especially for the girls, because look at, they're, they're the cream of the crop. A lot of them still fight. <laughs> and then look episode nine, it was a brawl. Brandon Melendez feels that Pulver is over-training him and confronts it. the head coach about this. Melendez feels so strongly that he later approaches Pulver about training with Team Penn and said, after talking it over pulver with Pulver, they resolve the issue of Melendez's remains with the old team. Randy Couture is a coach for Team Pan focusing on wrestling skills. Cole Miller and Nate Diaz play a prank on one each other while each sleeps. The pranks culminate in each fighter throwing the other's mattress into the pool and Miller getting antiqued, getting covered in baby powder after being drenched in water. Andy Wang becomes personally involved with helping Melendez make weight. Melendez does barely and expresses his gratitude towards Wang for his help. Ray Maynard defeats Brandon Melendez by submission guillotine choke at 4.07 of the second round. While wow, these experts are like excerpts, not experts, excerpts. Cool. And then look, traitor. Nadia decides to train with Team Pan because he feels like he needs distance from himself from Corey. He needs to distance himself from Corey. Hill, in order to prepare himself better for the fight. Joe Lozan and the other members of the Blue team are not happy with the idea, calling Diaz a spy. Members of Team Pulver are also displeased, especially Manny Gambirian who flips off, who flips Diaz off and Brandon Melendez who calls him a traitor. Pulver is somewhat upset that Diaz went to Team Pan practice. But says later he does not care and if he wants to put a blue jersey, that's his prerogative. If he wants to put on a blue jersey, that's his prerogative. The Diaz defeats Cory Hill by triangle choke in the first round. Carl Parisian arrives at the training center during Team Paul training session to practice with his cousin Gambirian. Diaz claims he has no problem with Parisian even though he defeated his older brother Nick at UFC 249. Manny Gambirian defeated Matt Weidman by United Position after two rounds. Dude, and then I don't know if he's gonna say it here, but look, after Gambirian's fight, his cousin Carl Parisian jokes around with Nate Diaz by playfully slapping him, talking down to him, and grabbing him by the back of the neck. The two get in a verbal disagreement and almost come to blows before Paul and the rest of the team break up the confrontation. White has decided the semifinal matchup to be a phone conversation from New England with Pan and Paul. Then proceeds to prank Paul by telling him it will be teammate versus teammate in the semifinals. Only later to tell them the real matches will be Gambirian against Lozan and Nate Diaz versus Gray Maynard. Dude, so that was crazy, right? Because they he was ready to, like, just beat his ass. I'm talking about he was ready to beat Carl Parisian's ass. You can look it up on YouTube. Like, it's hilarious. But, yeah, man, going back to Jens. Without that guy, we get no Connor. I'm finally happy he was able to get into the Hall of Fame. Now, something he said, if you haven't watched it, I suggest you do go and watch his interview with Ariel Hawani. He said that the UFC had reached out to him many times to do Where Are They Now, the show they do on UFC Fight Pass. And he would deny them after time after time. And everyone asked him, well, why? He's like, well, I wasn't happy where I was at in my life. He's like, at this point in my life, I wanted to be doing something else. And then he said COVID hit and he had to figure out what to do. So what became his producer on his personal Twitch channel? They're like, well, you like gaming. Why don't you just game? So then he did that. And then he started breaking down fights because his producer had to leave one day. I don't want to give too away too much away of the interview, but go check it out. That his producer had to leave, so he started breaking down fights and the UFC caught wind of it. They told him to apply for this opening they were having, so he did. So now he streams the UFC fights and he does Ultimate Fighter Tuesdays. It's pretty great, man. So congratulations, Jens. He deserves it, man. I can't wait to hear what his speech is going to be. Okay, oh, well, I want to tell you guys something. So if you go on the Punch in the Mouth Instagram right now, you're going to see that I changed the logo and like the story bubbles i have to do it again because i follow this one page called combat Talks, and they look it's the exact same color scheme with the letters and white so i'm gonna change it but i'm gonna let you guys look at it first before i change it i'm gonna change it by next week i already have the other ones ready to go i just need to upload them so ariel hawani now okay if you don't like mma what i'm i'm gonna talk about some fights but if you don't like MMA for, like, the next 10 minutes, you're probably not going to want to listen to this. So, or, I don't know, maybe you would. I'm uh, maybe uh, doubting you a little bit. So, Ariel Hawani, he works for BT Sports, right? He was originally supposed to work for them to cover UFC, but, you know, him and Dana don't get along. Dana threw a fit. And, like, the problem is the UFC, they control a lot of that, right? Indirectly, because if they don't want to give you an interview, how are you going to produce content, like, premium content that people are going to want to watch? you can't get credentials for fights and stuff like that because like that's one of Dana's main goals nowadays to bury Ariel's career but I don't think he's gonna be able to because people are over it so anyway so BT got Ariel to start covering professional wrestling for them, and Ariel has like his own personal YouTube channel and he did an interview with Tony Khan the owner of AEW wrestling but I watched the interview and like dude anything like Ariel tried to ask him he would like, oh, I can't talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. And then, so Ariel builds a relationship with WWE. First of all, Ariel's not doing anything wrong, right? He's not doing anything wrong because he built a relationship with WWE. He goes on there. And they're in his home city of Montreal, right, for, for SmackDown and Elimination Chamber. And he appears on the broadcast that Tony Khan comes out and says, Ariel is a fraud. What is it that he said? I wonder if he deleted it at this point. He probably deleted it. Because it makes him look bad. He goes, Ariel is a fraud. You're a fraud, Ariel Hawani. You're as a legitimate a reporter as Tony Schiavone. Now, first of all, Tony Shavani is his um one of his play-by-play guys. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? First of all, you're, you're talking down to your own guy. And you're mad because he's coming out on the competitor's product? And then, because fucking wrestling's petty as fuck, they're both petty as fuck, the announcer Michael Cole goes, Ariel Hawani, one of the most unbiased journalists in all of combat sports, I was like, oh, because they're, like, it's it was hilarious, bro, and then they talked about it, if you watch the Monday edition of the MMA Hour, you've heard about it, and I'm like, dude, this is bizarre, bro, so I did what I said I was gonna do, I went and watched his interview with Tony Khan, it wasn't good. It was not great because anything Ariel tr- wanted to ask him that we really want to know, eh, I don't want to talk about it. And eh, I don't want to, like, what? And then you come out and say this, but then on the other hand, I feel like they're trying to work us. And one day they're both going to come out in an area and this, this, and that. And I do get it that Ariel could get on people's nerves, but he's just doing his job Leave him alone. And what if one day he does decide to go work for WWE? Are you going to call him a fraud then, Tony? Are you? Because he won't be a fraud then because he's working for them. But I thought that was bizarre. I thought it was hilarious, you know? Like, I thought it was hilarious because I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Like, a part of me thinks that it's um, they're working us, meaning that it's all planned. Like, I don't think they really hate each other as they're making it seem, you know? I don't think that at all. I just think they're trying to give each other some heat. And it's good, right? Because then it'll make people watch both of the products being WWE and AEW and even Ariel show because now you the question comes, will they let guys like MJM on? Will they let guys like Chris Jericho on? And this was Ariel's own personal YouTube channel. Like it wasn't even the MMA hour. It wasn't BT sports. It was an interview done on his personal YouTube channel. Now. What are we going to talk about now? Now we're going to talk about fights that I forgot to tell you guys that were announced if you didn't know or are planned to be announced. So here we go. Ready? Here we go. So Sergey Pavlovich will fight Chris Curtis on April 22nd. Mackenzie Dern will fight Angela Hill on May 13th. But Neil Dariush will face Charles Oliveira on the May 6th card. Aljamain Sterling will face Henry Cejudo on May 6th. So May 6th is stacked. So yeah, there's that. Now, if Benil wins, he gets a title shot. Like, let's look at the rankings because these UFC rankings are starting to piss me off. So Benil's number four. If he beats Charles, he should be number one. But then you got guys like Justin Gaethje and Dustin in front of him. But if Rafael Fizie beat, okay, so now here's things we know: Mateo's Gamara is gonna fight Jalen Turner, so that's number ten versus number seven. Rafael Fazib is going to fight Justin Gaethje. That's number six versus number three. Mike Chandler is going to fight Conor McGregor. Conor's unranked at this point, but that's only because he's not um, fought in a year. So they could tell Benil, okay, if you beat Charles, we'll have you fight Dustin. And then if you beat Dustin, because the other thing is, like right now, who can challenge Islam? Because, I mean, if Benil wins, you can have him fight Islam, right? That's what I would do. And I believe we're not going to see Hamza until after Ramadan. Let's see. Let's see. Who is next? That was a tweet from Islam. Dustin Poirier announces what's up. I mean, that'd be a good fight, but I'd watch. I would. And I believe Hamza has said that he's not fighting again until after Ramadan. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know if Dustin is still trying to get that Kobe Covington fight. It'd be cool if he is, because then at least that gives the lightweight some clarity, you know, because if he's still going to go and fight Colby, then that locks you up. Because right now, if Benil wins, (laughs) imagine they do him there and be like, all right, you're going to fight Dustin in Louisiana and he'll just say yes. He'll be like, "Okay, I'll I'll fight him. And if he wins, you give him a title shot then because I honestly believe Benio is gonna have the advantage in the stand-up against Charles and then the question becomes if he rocks Charles and knocks him down does he follow him like Islam did because he has the groundwork to do it like I'm excited for Benio Darius versus Islam Mahashef I'll tell you that much I'm excited for that but we shall see man so yeah Tony Khan I don't know I, I believe he came off looking bad in this whole situation and then Ariel calls him. He reminds him a lot of Dana. And then Tony says that him and Dana are good buddies. I'm like, oh, this all makes sense now. This all makes sense. But again, like, I understand where Tony's coming from. Ariel could come off annoying at times, but he's just doing his job. And don't be mad because WWE likes him and decided to have him on, on their program. But that's all I got for you guys. It's kind of short, I know. But I'm going to be working on the YouTube videos. Um, getting my sub stack put together so i can start writing articles i'm gonna i think the first one's gonna come out after the john jones fight that's the that's what i'm telling myself but that's all i got for you guys later peace remember follow me punch them out the fish on instagram official underscore p-i-t-m on twitter later deuces